You know, I, I have some goals that I've set kind of in resolution form for, for 2017, and, and uh, a couple of those have to do with health and uh, eating healthy and doing a few things differently. And I feel pretty healthy, but sometimes um, you don't really know until you really try to do something rigorous, right? And, uh, and so I'm, I'm working at it. But I know this, being healthy takes work. It takes time. It might even take a little extra money to eat right. And I was thinking about healthy church. What does it take to really have a healthy church? Now, I'm going to say this phrase several times probably today and next week as I continue this series called The Church. Um, The church with the big C. And when I say that, what I mean is the church that's all over the world. Not just Timberline Church or some other church down the road, but the big church with the big C, where God is the head. And last weekend, if you were here, you can recall, we talked about the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. And those are powerful words, and we can count on that. And the gates of hell, there's no evil that can overcome or suppress that or take that away. So we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And it matters that we stay healthy. The truth is, a church can only be as healthy as the people in it. Because we are the church. It's not the building. It's the people. And so being the church puts us in a frame of mind to where we have to really pay attention to our health. And so today I want to walk through five kind of things that I see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that, that caused this church to really be healthy. Now, what we're going to do is we're looking at Acts chapter 2, which is where the church was actually birthed, okay? If you read all of Acts chapter 2, you will see Jesus says, go and wait in the upper room. So about 120 believers go up there. Jesus ascends into heaven, and all of a sudden, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. The Holy Spirit comes in power. They speak with boldness. They they speak in tongues. There's this empowerment of the Spirit. Peter stands up and preaches, and 3,000 people come to faith, and then 5,000 people come to faith, so we have the church. And then at the very end of chapter 2, there's five or six little verses that sort of capture what the church did and who they were. And that's kind of where I want to go. We're going to go verse by verse through that. But if you're taking notes, the outline is this. Number one, Healthy church has a sense of family. Healthy church has a sense of family. You can go to a church and not feel a part of it or connected at all. But a healthy church should have a family feel that says, we invite you into us. Listen to Acts 2 verse 42. This just sounds like family. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the fellowship, koinonia, community. They're saying, we like each other. And to sharing in meals. You know, you usually, when you eat with somebody, you usually like hanging out with them. Also including the Lord's Supper. That means taking communion together. And to prayer. And prayer. These are like, these are like staples for a church. We should be doing all of these things as a family. Now, I do need to say this because when I use the word family, I'm talking about relationships you are endeared to. 
Some of you don't have a family like mine, which I am in love with, I care for deeply, and I grew up in a very loving family. But some of you don't get along with your family at all. And saying it's like family is like, oh, I hope not because I'm leaving if it's like my family, okay? I'm talking about that community that you have in your life that may be blood family, but it may, in fact, not be. It may be a group of friends or people in your life uh, that have spoken into your life and you, you love them and you care for them. That's what I'm referring to when I say family. As a matter of fact, family, we say hello when kids are born. We say goodbye when people die. We celebrate the victories of family. We are sad when people are sad. We rejoice when people rejoice, don't we? That's what family does. As a matter of fact, we don't even call our auditoriums in our campuses, we don't call them sanctuaries. What do we call this room? The living room. So I thought just to help us get into a feel. I would just slip on this robe. Now, this, this really is my robe, um, if I can get it on. And I just wonder what, what the, how the feeling changes when I have this on. It, it just changes it. It's because when you're in your living room, I, I'm an early riser. I come down, I make a cup of coffee, and I, I read a little bit and pray a little bit, and, and then Bonnie comes down and joins me. And there's no posing when you're family. There's no, there's no presenting. I don't stand up when she comes down the stairs and say, look at me. No, as a matter of fact, ladies, if you knew you weren't going to go anywhere till noon, would you just not even put on makeup? Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm not opposed to makeup, but the, the point I'm making is when you go and present yourself somewhere, it's a different feeling than the vulnerability that we have in the living room and we trust whoever's there because we're at home. So we can talk about, we can have harder conversations. We, I'm not leaving this on any longer. We can have hard conversations. We can be vulnerable. We can trust. We can cry. We can laugh. We can pray. That's, that's why I like calling this our living room is because I realize we can't be family in the sense of my personal family. I'm so close to them because I've had years with them and time and daily times with them. But I know this, I know that as we journey together, we make decisions corporately as a church and we go out to, to change the world. That's the family of God doing that. I am deeply connected to you spiritually. You are deeply connected to me and us to each other, even if we haven't personally met because we are the family of God. We are called his sons and his daughters. And it makes sense that we have that comfort level in here as we talk about this today. So number two, Healthy church has a sense of awe. When the church loses its sense of awe about God, it ceases to be a healthy church. What is that sense of awe? In verse 43, it says this, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and the believers met together in one place. They shared everything that they had. Here's a picture of a group of people who have come together and they are in awe of what God has done. They can't believe the miracles that are taking place, the devotion of their friends. They're seeing people come to faith. They're seeing how, 
how it, they impact each other. They're, they're loving on one another and they're, they're encouraging each other. You know, I, I never want us as a church to lose the wonder and the awe that God loves us and that God has a plan for us and that we are his bride on the earth. If you were here last weekend, you can't say I, I love God but I don't really like the church because we are called his bride. And to love God means you love the bride and you're a part of a church family. And what does that mean? It means that together we are better than we are separate. Number three, healthy church reflects generosity. Now this is just something that happens sometimes with intentionality, but sometimes maybe not. Generosity comes because the Spirit of God is within us. Now there's a very unique verse here in 45 that I'm going to read and I want to talk about it in a minute. It says that they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, remember this was not a mandate and it's not something we are asked to do, you know, bring in your deeds, bring in, you know, go sell everything and let's put the money in a pot. That's probably unlikely and not even supposed to happen. Why did they do this? They did this because they wanted to. Some people were so compelled and so in love with God and the people of the church that they said, your need is just as important as mine. And I have plenty and you don't. And so you can have some of what I have. This is a, a spirit of generosity that's not just flesh and blood, you guys, right? You know, one of the first things a kid says when they get old enough to talk, they learn that one word, mine. Mine. So this goes against human nature every time. But what happens when the spirit of God lives in us there's a sense of generosity that comes out of us. I have been amazed at, at you guys. I, I mean this. I've been amazed when we do weekends like foster care. And many of you have been trained in, in foster care. And you open your home to kids who, who need love and need to help. And I'm just amazed by it. Some of you who have adopted kids from other places in the world. And your love just keeps reaching and, and caring uh, these agencies in our community can't believe all the work that Timberline does in these areas. Why? Because you're a generous church. When we take offerings for catastrophes all over the world through our one-day offering, Convoy of Hope, and those hurricanes hit or those earthquake ha earthquakes happen, we're there. Timberline is there. Offering water, offering food, offering shelter. Why? Because you have sacrificed to make that happen. I feel in awe of those types of things. Last Sunday, a unique thing happened down at Timberline Old Town, one of our campuses, and I'll say the name Darren Fred. You guys know Pastor Darren? How many of you get scared when I say his name? <laughs> I love that guy. He's a special guy. He's the campus pastor at Timberline Old Town down on Mason. And he said after church last Sunday, he just kind of made this statement. He said, hey, anybody that wants to go eat, let's go to the same place, pay for our own, but let's just eat together those that want to. So he had quite a few people that wanted to, and there was a, a homeless guy who was sitting out around the corner there who comes occasionally, and he was sitting on the floor, and, and a lady went over to him and said, some of us are going to uh, lunch today. I'd love to buy your lunch if you could go with us. And he said that he would like to go. And then she came and told Pastor Darren, um, I'm paying for that gentleman lunch, but I'm not able to go. <laughs> so here's the money, and he's going with you. 
And so, and so, so her, her name is Barbara. I talked to her about this sweet lady. And, and so um, he did. He went with them, and they walked into the restaurant, quite a few of them. And Darren said it just took a very long time for him to start taking the layers off coats and sweaters and putting them over a, a chair. And, and he didn't know quite the comfort level and was everyone good. And people, he came up to the table and people started to engage him in conversation. And he didn't say a lot, but, but they learned a lot about him and he learned about them. And it was just one act of kindness to say, why don't you come and be at our table today? Now, I'm not suggesting that you do that every time. I just am asking that you have a sense, a heart that cares and that loves first. When I come up to those stop signs or those red lights and I see people with the sign, God bless you or need help or whatever it says, I, 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 I resist the, the temptation ever to get calluses on my heart to say, oh, they're choosing that and that's, what they, that's how they want to live. They may be, but I still pray for them. I still say, God, whatever happens in that life, however they ended up where they are, would you touch them today and let them know that you care? Because God has intention and plans for every human being on the earth. Amen? Everyone. So let's not ever get calloused. You say, well, you don't understand. I may not, but I just don't want to live calloused toward any group of people or anyone that has a life different than mine. Generosity is so contagious. And I think as a church, the more generous we are, we need to be ready to respond when people who don't look like you come to Timberline. And maybe they, maybe they don't act like you. And I'll talk a little bit about that more. Which is harder, to give a, a gift card for someone to go out and eat or to have them over to your house and cook them dinner? You know, sometimes the easiest thing we do as a church is write a check to somebody. You write a check and say goodbye, someone else will handle it. But in 2017, may I just ask you, what could you tweak just a little bit to go a little deeper in community with people that you really aren't thinking would be community with you right now? Who can you have over to your house and grill out in the backyard or have them over? I don't talk, I'm not talking about going after every homeless person in our town. I'm not talking about putting yourself in danger at all. I'm talking about praying about God, what can I do that's different than my pattern? Because I get in a pattern. Bonnie and I get in a pattern of who we eat with, who we hang with, uh, what we use our home for. And we're praying right now, God, show us how we can use what you've put in our hand to make a difference in our neighborhood and in our world. The fourth thing I want to say is healthy church, they, they kind of like being together. And, and I'm going to read a passage that's just fun to read because it, it has fun language in it. And I want you to just sit back and I want you to think about what I'm saying and you answer the question, does it sound like they like each other? Okay, you ready? Verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, which would be communion. They shared their meals with great joy and, and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. When I read that, I just, feel like, I just feel like it's like a big hug. It's like a group that I want to be a part of. It's like, hey, come and hang out. Bring some food. We'll share it. Bring the kids. We'll have a good time. And uh, let's enjoy dinner together. That's what we need. That's what we want. That's our heart. I think it's important that we leave that taste in people's mouth who come to our, our campuses. That we can say, do we want them here? 
Do they feel good when they come here? Do they leave happy? Do they, they feel like there's been a lift in their spirit and God has touched them and it's touched a cord of spirit in them because we need each other. And that's the work of the church. And that's what I want you to know and want you to believe and want you to be praying for in 2017. Now I've left quite a bit of my time with this last point because I really want to develop it. Number five, healthy church will, will never become exclusive. My guess is that if I said, are we an exclusive church, you would probably say no. Because I really don't think we are, but I think we have blind spots. And I'm going to throw several things out there today, and I want you to just consider them and, and pray about them and think about them with me. Because we like to believe anyone can walk in here and feel comfortable, but I'm not sure that's true. People who don't share our convictions... People who don't share the things that we believe in may not, in fact, in any way want to have anything to do with us. Why is that? Well, I want to talk about that. Let me read the last part of verse 47. It says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day there's a new influx of people who had some curiosity about this thing called faith. And every day, this happy family church that is enjoying, rejoicing and having meals together is opening their door to someone new and saying, come on in. See, the fear I have is if we're not careful, we become a club. And it's a club of, of similar-minded people who kind of do the same general thing and believe the same general thing. And we, we lose our ability to be salt and light with those who don't share our convictions. Um, this is a great story. Uh, out in the, in the parking lot, Joe Ybarra on our facilities team, great guy, um, saw a couple middle school students and a high school kid uh, skateboarding out there. And they go up on the curbs and sometimes the rails that we have and it scratches the paint and all this stuff. And, and Joe said, um, J-Matt was walking by. J-Matt, his name is Justin Matthews. He's our middle school pastor. Awesome guy. And <laughs> Joe said, this looks like your, your world out there. You need to go, <laughs> go talk to these kids. So J-Matt said, I'd love to. He goes strolling out there. And when they saw him coming, they started scurrying around, gathering all their stuff and headphones going in the bag. And, and when he got to them, uh, he said, how's it going, guys? And they said, oh, we're just leaving. You know? And he said, oh, that's a bummer. I, I have about 20 minutes here. I came out to see if you'd let me skate with you a little bit. And they, they were stunned because they just knew he was coming to say, you can't do this here. And so he said, no, let's skate. So they took everything back out and they're skating and, and he's good at all this stuff, you know, so he's doing tricks and they're learning from each other. About 20 minutes goes by and he, he stops and he says, man, this, all this made me thirsty. He said, we have a cafe in the church. Can I buy you guys something to drink? They said, really? He said, yeah. So come on in. So they're dragging their stuff over to the cafe. They're getting their drinks. And then Justin invites them to a youth group. And guess what? All three of them came. And all three are still coming. And one of them is in a small group. Why? Because someone said, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. This is a place we built with you in mind. 
instead of get off of this private property, you're messing up our curbing system. Now, there's some balances that we have to take care of our property, but guess what? People matter most. Amen? People matter most. And I want you to keep this in mind, and I want you to think about who we are excluding when we don't even realize we're excluding them. These doors have to stay open. I had a haunting dream um, that was just a tough, tough situation in my life where the church was really growing. We were meeting over on LeMay Avenue. Anybody remember that facility over there? And, and the church was really in a growth mode, and it was a wonderful time. And there was this song that came out called It's Beginning to Rain. And we were singing that song, and I dreamed that I was on the platform in that room, and it started raining, and it was raining blessing. And it was kind of like that song was being played. People were singing it, and we realized God was pouring his blessing on us. And so kids were playing in the rain. People were high-fiving. It was just a big celebration. And, and I was saying, God is blessing us. It's raining a blessing. And, and all of a sudden, the water started getting about a foot deep in there. And, and parents were picking up their toddlers and kind of putting them up on the seat. And all of a sudden, it got waist-deep. And and people were going, okay, maybe it should stop raining now. And I started to panic. And in my dream, you know how dreams are. I mean, I, I, was, I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, it's like up to my chest. People are holding their, their kids up. And this, this blessing turns into this nightmare. And I am swimming, running. You know, you try to run in the water. And I'm going to the door out the back. And it's a metal door that I could see outside through the window. But the door would not open. It was jammed. And it was shut. And I tried another door, and I'm running and screaming. Now it sounds like a, a terrible place. People are screaming and yelling and looking for their children. And this place is just filling up. And finally I saw a homeless man right outside the door. And he had like a stick with like a hobo thing on the back. That's how I remember it in the dream. And, and, and I, I tried yelling to him. And I, I said, I was pointing to open the door, open the door from the outside. Guys, I was frantic, and I, when he walked over to that door, he pulled on those doors, and they opened, and all that water immediately went out onto dry, parched land, and I stood at that door, soaking wet in my dream, and everywhere that water went, you know, like a Disney movie, the, the trees just started growing instantly. It was just like green foliage going out from that place, and I woke up in bed in a cold sweat. I was crying. It was a deep, it touched me deeply. It was a God dream. And I know that that dream meant if you try to keep this blessing to yourselves, if you don't keep these doors open to this church, if you don't make sure that you don't become exclusive, then my blessing will end up destroying everything that I have built here. Because it's not meant for just us. It is meant for the world. God sent his son to die for every person in the world. And he loves every person in the world. And it's a challenge. When I first, when I first started doing church as a, uh, a kid, I grew up in church my whole life, there was this reality that kind of went like this. You need to become, which means behave, then you can believe, and then if you believe, you can belong. And this was, was kind of the, the key to how it worked in church, is you get your act, your, you get your act uh, straightened out, and then you can come to church and be a part of our club, right? 
and, and then we'll lead you to Christ and you'll have the power and you can belong with us. Well, I remember in the 60s, and I mentioned this last week, kind of that, that hippie movement where all of a sudden pastors around the country started to realize you can't become until you believe. You can't change. You can't behave. You don't have any empowerment. And so they flipped this one. And, and all of a sudden people started saying, believe, become, belong. But now we're in a culture that's not even that anymore. Guess what word is on the top now? Belong. Belong. And, and here's why. Because if you don't belong, you really don't have a chance to believe or become. And so what's happened in our culture is we don't know how to do this very well. As Christians, it's awkward for us to be around people who do not share our values. And I'm praying a lot about this, and I hope I can say this in a way that you hear it from my heart, and I don't have it all figured out yet. But I really started asking the Lord, who will we welcome? Who are the people that are not here probably that, that we need to have a welcome mat for that needs to be real and, and we need to be authentic about our feelings? How about people transitioning out of prison who really need our help and our friendship and our community? Many people in Timberline have spent time in prison and many of them have found the Lord there. Let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit works in jails. And there's a lot of people who come to faith, but I don't know where they can land in a safe place where they will be loved and not judged because of maybe the past scars in their life. Can, can you be trusted to sit next to someone like that and take them and buy them a cup of coffee and hear their story and journey with them? Maybe they have questions. How about a person who's an atheist and comes just because they wanna, they're questioning their belief that there is no God? But maybe they're sarcastic, almost mean. Maybe they have an attitude or an edge about them. Isn't it easier to just say, well, what are you doing here then? We're, we're people of faith. Don't bring your atheism and that attitude to us. It's easy to feel like rejecting someone like that is drawing a line in the sand of integrity when in fact that's not letting love live. That isn't what Jesus did with people who were lost and undone. What if someone comes in here who's really been hurt by another church and they've just given up on God and they've given up on church? Will we take the time to help restore that person? What about the people who have a different sexual orientation than us? This is a huge thing right now in our culture. Many of you have kids that have said, I'm gay. And as a church, we know our stance scripturally with what we believe about that lifestyle. The Bible's very clear about it. But you can't start by being mean and ugly. Let's start by saying, could we have a conversation? Could we talk? Could you feel the love of God before you feel our wrath? That's important. And it's not going to be easy. We get emails sometimes at our church saying, we're a, a lesbian couple or we're gay. Are we welcome at Timberline? And we always say, of course you're welcome. But we want to have a conversation and not do this through email. Could we meet with you? And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes we never hear back. But I know this. I know that it matters what our attitude is about loving people and caring for them and hearing their story before we pull out the judgment and start shooting everybody. It matters. And so this year, all this is going to be tested. What about that person that is a, a totally different view politically than you? They're on the opposite. We are, where our country is polarized right now. And no matter who you voted for, everybody is mad a little bit. 
right? Okay, mad a lot of it. It, there, it's, it's like a no win. It's like I, I don't know how to even respond to all this. This Friday with the inauguration, I'll, I'm prayerful. I'm just praying, God, show us as a church how to respond when politics divide even believers. What is going on? Is your opinion more important than the love of God? No, we can't compromise with, with the truth of Scripture, and we won't. But we're going to love and we're going to love all the way, and we're going to let people feel a sense of belonging so that we have a chance to even talk about this. That matters, and it's hard to do, and some adjustments need to happen in our lives. I guess I just wrap up by asking this question. What does your welcome mat say? How many of you have a welcome mat at your house? How many of you it says Welcome. I went out and looked at ours, and it doesn't say welcome. It just has a picture, like a pretty picture on it. I saw one the other day that said, go away. (laughs) You know, without even realizing it, our attitude sometimes, our posture sometimes says go away. We just don't want to deal with you because you don't share my values. You know what? Let's pray that we can be a healthy church that is not afraid of the mess. Our lives all have messes, right? Has has God been working with you for a few years to help clean up your mess? Well, maybe we need a few more messes and we can be the people who help set it right. Let's pray. Lord, my heart is pounding really fast right now because... I care deeply about us as a church being a place that leads with love and relationship and care, even though we may hate the behavior or the sin. You love the people, and I don't know if I do like you want me to, but I want to. I need your spirit to quicken me. I need it to quicken us as a church. God, would you show us how to, how to in, increase our patience and our ability to build bridges instead of burn them. Help us to surprise the communities that don't expect love from us. Help us to surprise them that we want the conversations. Father, I pray that as you send people to us that need your love, we will be trustworthy. And we will truly love them in the name of the Lord. I thank you for this. With heads bowed, how many of you would say, as you talked about family, I am very aware that I personally need a community like that around me. I don't have that now. And in 2017, pray for me that God would put that kind of a family around me so that my growth and the changes I want to make in my life can happen in community. Anybody want to lift your hand to that? You need that. Okay. God bless you. Lord, show us how to to, to provide this. Show us what we need to do moving forward to get the right people in our world, to have community that we can have these vulnerable discussions with, that we can be accountable with in a loving way. I just pray you would be the provider of these things in our lives. Lord, secondly, I just pray that you would do something in our hearts that we would be even more of a welcoming church. We, we believe we're welcoming, 
But I pray that you'll show us those areas that maybe we, we fall short and help us to love and to care and help the look in our eye when we see someone that looks unlikely to be here. Help the look in our eye to have love and care. I just thank you, God. May we be a healthy church because we are healthy people in the name of the Lord. We trust you. Lord, lead people to you right now in this room. If, if they're separated from you, let them put their faith in you to follow you today. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. <laughs>